Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. We're doing the same style of introduction that we've done before, really. Ask if it's here. And you know really why, because it's easier for me and I don't have to record a separate one. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I don't even know where to start, where to begin, where to end, where to be in the middle. There's too, too many things happened in this episode, which it was like Christmas and New Year's for 10 years in a row, coming all at the same time. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh gosh, there's so many things to talk about. Well, what we're going to, I reckon the best thing is we're going to try and go through it as the episode goes along, so to speak. We do the same thing every time we have the episode along in the background. So firstly, I mean, we get a nice little epic space fight don't we with slave one just kicking uh, it i do love the the color of slave one is very much mimicking the color of boba's uniform and i don't know if that's the thing that's always been the case but if it has hey i'm just noticing it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think it i think it has always been that color and yeah mimicking boba's uh colors so yeah i mean this <sighs> First of all, I just have to say, oh my god, <laughs> what an what an episode from start to finish. I mean, we'll get onto you know the rest of the highlights as it goes on, but wow, is all I can say. What one epic ending to season two. I mean, what a, what a season. What a every episode as we've as we've discussed week on week, like it's just been brilliant. It's just so much explosive action and fun and just adventure and happy moments, sad moments. And, and you know, this episode has all of it combined into one, you know. Um, and again, like, you know, this was an, we've talked about, you know, uh, episode length times as well and how this wasn't as long as episode one. But again, so jam-packed full of incredible moments that from start to finish, I've just, I've been smiling. And, yeah, I mean, you know, this first scene already, it reminded me so much of those kind of classic starts of the uh, original films where you have, you know, just space battles or, you know, ships flying through space and, you know, you're kind of thrown into the action already. And uh, I mean, and of course, you know, just seeing Slave 1 in action is just always so epic. So to see it in, in this capacity and, you know, using the iron cannons to take out the, uh, the Imperial shuttle, which then gets used to, you know, for filtration you know it's kind of has all those you know moments from um you know the original trilogy like the time the jedi empire strikes back and you know but it just takes on this new life and energy um and i just oh god i mean as i said i've just been smiling the whole time throughout the episode um i'm i'm sure you were just as giddy as i was well, this is why we didn't record this episode last night, guys, because it would have just been me and Arzif crying the whole <laughs> entire time <laughs> for about half an hour, 40 minutes, and then we would have just ended the episode. 
Um, this this finale kind of hits i think so many kind of story beats and similarities i know they do this a lot there's a lot of uh moments across the first season and second season where it's kind of like pulling things from original the original trilogy or just star wars films that have gone before it but this episode seems like it takes more and it kind of really hits and we were saying at the beginning of um this season how a few of the story storylines and the way it was kind of set out was very original trilogy-esque and you can mm. see, obviously, this is where Favreau really draws his Star Wars knowledge and Star Wars style, should I say, maybe style of writing and style of setting. Um, obviously, I mean, you have the amazing think... Doug Chang helping out with a lot of the production mm. designs to give it that real Star Wars feel. But yeah, this, I don't know about your thoughts, but this episode, for me, it felt, even when and we were just talking about this, the score is very more john williams-esque should i say for this particular episode as well yeah i mean i completely agree that there's you know these stylistic similarities to the original trilogy and it makes sense because you know i mean the mandalorian is set closest to the original trilogy so for it to be similar in style um you know it makes sense because it's kind of carrying on that theme and uh and as you said i mean with the, the score as well through i mean the score is amazing throughout the series but I, I have to say in this episode i found it particularly exhilarating um in terms of just keeping up the excitement and and harking back to that kind of john williams epicness um that grandiosity is just oh so well done and in you know as i said earlier i mean in terms of the whole production of this series and you know for for this sort of ending for for it, it really is quite grand and majestic and exactly what we, what you wanted really from the whole thing um so it's uh oh god it's, it's fantastic and yeah i mean you know even from like you know every scene in this episode has like great energy kickoff points as well i mean this early scene where you know boba and uh dinjar and go into uh you know the bar to get bo katan and, and a friend uh, um to sign them up for the mission and already that's uh you know i love it because when you get these kind of mandalorians together there's all all this uh nervous tension and and what is you know each each has their own kind of way and their own history and so they're all sort of united by their armor but not really but united by their own um own outlook and things so it's uh it's always quite an interesting uh scene setter just to see boba fett and uh what was bo-katan's friend called the, the her sidekick um i'm i'm not too sure and it's played by mercedes who is a she's a wrestler sasha banks um and this is this is her first from what i understand um i might be wrong in this but this is her first uh major role and i think she's doing very well in it um and it's good to see her have more lines and i'm going to look up what her character's name is but talking about the mandalorian they they always seem to be like no I'm the best version of a Mandalorian. <laughs> no, I think you'll find it's me who's the best version. I think you'll find I've got the most descendants who are Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I think our guy, I'm saying our guy, you know, our pal, the Mando, <laughs> he seems to be, doesn't he, like the purest Mandalorian? 
even though yeah. from what I can I don't quite know if he's he's adopted I believe he's adopted by Mandalore isn't he yeah. he was rescued wasn't he and then he was part of um not the watch or or it might have been the watch or he was part of a very strict like religious type of the the Mandalorian culture yeah they were called continuously seems to be the most even over Bo-Katan and that seems to be the most genuine Mandalorian there is. So, but there always seems to be this fun tension, and uh, I love the bit of a Boba Fett square off going on in the um, yeah. in the bar that we see. So, what is the what's the name of this particular character that Mercedes plays? Um, we're just gonna look that up now. It's Cosca Reeves. Cosca Reeves, okay. Cosca Reeves. Right. I did absolutely love that you just had for this assault um, that they undertake on Moff Gideon's ship. You just had this posse of absolute badass female characters. Something yeah. that stays true and strong to Star Wars throughout the years. We've always had these amazing badass female characters which should be more in many more franchises but what what a what a four piece this is coming into this ensemble they uh they're all just absolutely or not only awesome yeah. characters and but they're just they're just kicking ass guys they're just absolutely kicking ass continuously yeah i mean you know in the last episode we saw that you know they already had quite a a solid crew uh and this one it just feels you know even a, a step above now with Bo-Katan and uh what was that, what was her friend's name <laughs> <laughs> i've really lost it Cosca reeves Cosca reeves Cosca reeves Cosca reeves but yeah i mean exactly having, having them all together as uh this this sort of Oh, badass posse. I mean, you know, as you said, like that bar fight between Boba. And also, I love how Boba is, you know, as you said, there's all these kind of different levels of being a Mandalorian. And then Boba's there kind of, I'm not a Mandalorian. I'm just, you know, it's my father's armor. He was a Mandalorian. And, you know, and then they bring up the whole kind of clone issue, which is clearly a bit of a sensitive subject in the, in, in the universe. So uh, maybe a bit of an insult. Um, but it's, uh, I'm not surprised as well that, uh, you know, um, that you know the, the actress who plays Costco Reeves is a wrestler because I mean in that first scene you get you know some pretty sweet moves and I love how she uses the Mandalorian uh, jetpack as well to kind of enhance her throw um, and you see that kind of later on as well like you know when they when they start fighting on the ship that she's just kind of flying around and like kneeing stormtroopers in the head and it's just such a a cool way of fighting you know it's it's almost like a Jedi but not you know it, it's kind of a technically enhanced Jedi. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this this the scene where they're invading Moff Gideon's ship or tricking Moff Gideon, I should say, um, with the whole kind of ploy of being under attack by Slave One, and oh god, I mean, you, you just know, like, from having watched, obviously, you know, the whole series, as soon as you see this sort of entrance, you just know that it's just gonna, you know, be action nonstops pretty much throughout the rest of the episode, and oh. I, Again, you know, it's just it's just such gratuitous fun, Star Wars fun, you know, from I mean, from Boba Fett shooting out the the Tie Fighters to you know them flying out of the, of the ship and 
taking out the stormtroopers who <laughs> with the smoke as well. Oh god, what what a, an epic kind of dramatic scene as well. It's so peak Star Wars, and it just you know it's just such great ass kicking action. And as you said, like you know having the kind of like you know the, the four baddest ass characters throughout the series who are all women as well, which just you know makes it even better because they're just uh, it, it's kind of you know it's. It, I mean, you know, throughout Star Wars, we've always had like, you know, strong female characters. And what's great is that the Mandalorian is almost celebrating that legacy by just making this, you know, <laughs> this episode is purely female action and, in, in, you know, for, for large parts of it. So it's just, oh, I mean, I just love the way it builds as well. You know, you, you get these kind of waves of action and then growing tension, such as, you know, the Dark Troopers being introduced and them kind of being fired up. And that's very eerie. And, you, you know, you... you We've seen a little bit of them, but we haven't really seen them in action yet. So the way that they're kind of introduced into this episode, you know, not right away, but, you know, as this sort of... <laughs> I, I, I love the kind of entrance of them anyway, you know, when they're in their, their compound or whatever. And, uh, you know, the Mandalorian is, is fighting with one. And I mean, oh, God, it's just, as I said, it, the way the episode, the pacing of it is, is masterful in the way it's kind of written and directed. Um, yeah, waves of action and then kind of slowing down and then, you know, even more action and then, you know, more surprises and just, and the whole thing is so beautifully shot. It, it, it feels like a kind of a classic Star Wars, uh, you know, feature, really. You know, it feels like a film, the whole thing, but it, it, it's, yeah, I mean, the pacing is just fantastic, really. Yeah. Well, one thing I was going to mention, like you just said there, it is so beautifully shot this episode there's so many fantastic cine cinematography like shots which are just a di different angle and a different way of looking at things one thing i absolutely loved was the tie fighter launch when you saw the first tie fighter get um launch out of um moff gideon's destroyer it was just absolutely that particular angle it's such a simple thing and i'm like i don't think we've ever seen something like that before it's taking these little things and it's exploring these moments which have happened multiple hundreds of times so for various Star Wars films but have never been done in this particular way and it's really taking advantage of all these aspects which have never been taken advantage of before and that's and you were saying as well the dark troopers when they like booting up and it's like some sort of industrial dance music. They've, yeah. they've, they've kind of got a beat. Like, how long is this going on for? This is, <laughs> this is the yeah. dark trooper beat almost coming. And what a brilliant idea of creating these kind of like the storm trooper, Darth Vader esque helmets, aren't they? With the, the mm. dark red piercing kind of eyes and the yeah. menace. They're, so kind of menacing and scary these particular um troopers that they have to well droid troopers that they have to take on and for a second I, when mando releases them all into the, into space I'm like well i mean that's one way of doing it i thought that's all we were going to get but i mean let's talk about the fight mando has with one of them when he's just absolutely 
pummeling the front of his helmet, isn't he? And you eventually start to see those little dents coming into the Baskar steel. And I'm just like, someone's going to wake up with one hell of a headache in the morning (laughs) because this guy's just getting absolutely pummeled in the head repeatedly for a good solid minute. Yeah, I mean, as I was saying, like the the way they're they're introduced and, you know, I I wrote in my notes with the Star Wars Skrillex music because it's just this kind of intense, like industrial beat and uh, kind of with the epic kind of... (laughs) John Williams' S soundtrack. I thought that worked so well. And yeah, yeah, there's so menacing, you know, from the red eyes to the kind of, I mean, with, you know, with the robotic way that they, they dispatch or try to dispatch, you know, their kind of enemies and seeing <coughs> when Din is uh, fighting one. Um, yeah, and as you said, being pummeled in the head, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's pretty shocking because it's, it's, I mean, thankfully, you know, the best car still, you know, keeps it, it keeps you know Mandalorian's head together, but but it's just the, the the kind of heartless steel of which they kind of try and dispatch their enemy enemies with makes them such a an interesting foe that they've kind of come against and uh, yeah and so menacing and also you know seeing them try to punch through the door and you know well multiple doors throughout the episode it, again that just adds to the <laughs> you know that menacing um, identity that nothing can stop them and yeah it's. Uh, and int- I, I, I really like that kind of as an intro, you know, as a as an idea to, that the empire kind of brings into uh, to their own fight. That they need this kind of better weapon um, to compete in some on some level, you know, with the rest of the galaxy. Because I mean, we, you know, we see how reduced they are, and they kind of mention in the episode as well that um, Moff Gideon's ship is very undermanned. So for him to have gained so much power, you know, you wonder. And then when you see the sort of initiatives and ideas that they're developing and, and the results of them, it, it makes sense that they, they still wield power and they still are kind of a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, as we've discussed many times on the episodes previously, like, you know, we're wondering of the extent of the empire and, and, and you know, how, how they're still operating and the influence they have. And, uh, you know, again, you know, this, this episode reveals so much about it and the fact that there's still, you know, an advanced, you know, power really. Um, with pretty scary ass weapons. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's menacing and it's it, yeah. Again, you know, as we were saying, there's kind of so many beats from the original films, but then, I mean, this series has just you know been kind of taking those and then lifting them up to a, kind of a new level, another level, and that's why I'm loving about it is that it feels kind of faithful to the traditional side of Star Wars, but then it, it's innovative enough that you're seeing kind of, you know, new sides of everything. I mean, you know, since, you know, episode one, where we got to see Tuscan Raiders kind of domesticated to, to now that you're seeing, uh, you know, the Empire's new weapons, that it, you know, which just, yeah, it, I mean, it's a testament to, to Favreau's writing, you know, he, he, like throughout, he's just, he's really captured the, the excitement and love that fans have of it without, you know, he's paid, uh, you know, service to fans but without having you know without shoving it down our throats it's just so well so well done so effectively created and uh yeah i mean you know as i said at the start of this episode this you know this final episode has so many of those epic moments that we've come to you know relish the mandalorian series um throughout season two so to see it all kind of come to fruition at the end and you know as we've been discussing on the last one 
what is you know the extent of Moff Gideon and you know do we see Thrawn you know we don't see Thrawn but we see you know Gideon and and you know his crew being kind of fought against and taken out and that you know it's such a satisfying payoff yeah for much so I mean it is John Favreau is extremely I know he's this is we've spoken about it before how it's a project that he's always wanted to do and you know he's a massive Star Wars fan but it's like a, a filmmaker in their absolute element doing the ultimate passion project for their whole entire career and he uses the wealth of characters and races and planets and you know different species and everything that is in star wars and that has been in star wars for so long to such he uses it in such a brilliant way and such a way where we get to explore so many things that we only ever got the surface of in other films and things we only ever touched on and the only reason you knew more about stuff like the tuscan raiders is because you bought a star wars book or maybe there was more in the literature that was in the 90s or in the comic books or you bought like an art of star wars and you read about it there and now we're actually getting to live that out on live action and live it out on screen. And that's, I think, one of the biggest testaments to the Mandalorian's success over the course of these two seasons. It's taking those elements that have been apparent across all these films and all these 40, 45 years, but exploring them um, in a way that's just allowing us to live so much. But everyone talks about how Star Wars, the first original trilogy, had such like a lived-in look to it, and now we're kind of getting to live in it in a storytelling way. And that's what, obviously, Dave Filoni and the host of other um, directors who have written and the other directors that have been brought in to tell these particular stories. But that's, I feel, one of the biggest testaments you've got to give to these Mandalorian series on how they're exploring this. We're living in Star Wars. You're going to be spending so much time telling these stories with these particular characters. Who knows how long the Mando goes on for, but they could they could do 10 seasons of it if they wanted. It could just be a continuous thing for a long time because there's so much to explore. I know we're getting so many other Star Wars series on Disney+, Plus, but it's just showing that there's so much wealth of stuff to use, isn't there? So that it doesn't... And I feel we're not even scratching the surface. There's still so much more to explore. And that's one of the most exciting things to look forward to, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I Looking at this episode in the way that it continues to build out the characters and and, and the, the the settings and the storylines yeah i mean it, it, you don't really know how how long they they want to take it for but it feels that they're kind of building it out in such a way that it could i don't know really build into a, a large kind of star wars canon show that it <clears throat> takes in a lot of kind of and moves along a lot of themes from the original trilogy connecting up to the new trilogy um, and, you know, seeing how the first order is, is formed. And, you know, it's interesting because throughout the season, they, you know, 
the remnants of the empire always talk about how people want order and order and they keep dropping in the word order and it feels very indicative of this is going towards a new order a first order and i i like that because it, it it's making sense of it and 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 giving it kind of authority in a way because you know as i've kind of said with the new trilogy you were kind of dropped into it and we don't really know much about the first order and the way they've come to power etc and they just seem to be this overwhelming force and the Mandalorian really feels like it's actually building that out and, and making sense of it in a way that um, is faithful to to the Star Wars canon, to the original trilogy. And um, I, you know, I love this fight scene as well. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of seeing on screen now that the, the Moff Gideon Din Djarin, you know, fight scene with the, you know, with Moff Gideon using the dark saber and that, you know, this is so remnant of of the kind of classic. Jedi fights, you know, that we have, but like, in a new, a new, uh, well, it's a new version of it, you know, with um, Din Djarin's uh, Beskar steel uh, spear, you know, against Moff Gideon when the dark saber. I mean, it, it, again, it, it's it's familiar, but it's completely new as well, and that's what's so intriguing about this, you know, this episode in this season. Um, that it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic it's, it's so well done um and you know it, and it's in and i have to say as well the way it's written and the fact that moff gideon ends up you know being with grogu and the fact that he ends up fighting the mandalorian rather than bo katan i thought that was quite an interesting sort of story beat and kind of tells you about moff gideon his understanding of the universe and how he's actually quite a a cunning character you know because he knows that he's going to be kind of either beaten or his ship's going to be taken over and he has dark troopers and he, he thinks that, you know, he can win with that. But just to kind of put that point of tension between Bo-Katan and the Mandalorian, I thought was quite interesting because it's like, again, you know, you've got this whole future of Mandalore and what, what that will, what will unfold there, you know? Um, and, and I suppose, yeah, the kind of, the tension now between these two kind of main Mandalorians and, uh, and the dark saber and, and who, who will rule, you know? And I, I'm, I feel that that is uh, going to become more of a central theme, you know, later on. Um, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it because, you know, we've heard so much about it that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, you know, um, so much intriguement, you know, throughout this, uh, throughout this episode. It's just, uh, yeah, it's laying out kind of these future paths, which, yeah, just, you know, continue to build out the world that we love and in, in familiar, but new directions. You, what you were saying earlier, the, the way this episode is written, I think it's the best episode. <clears throat> I know people are loving this episode for so many different reasons, but the writing of the story of this episode, the multiple different layers that this episode has that keeps on giving in different ways, very much so like you talk about what... Moff Gideon's character, which we get to explore a bit more in this episode, but yes, his his knowledge and understanding of the galaxy and of his enemies and their tactics and what he's trying to pursue is of a very high level, and it's that is really what serves him best, and that is usually the case with a lot of villains, especially in star wars but um it yeah it's his knowledge which kind of gives him that advantage on knowing how certain things will play out to a certain extent but very much how you get the confrontation with him um and when he's uh 
in the cell with Grogo against the Mando. And then you get the whole situation about the Dark Saber with Bo-Katan. And this is once again how I feel like Mando's, uh, Din Djarin's character, his belief system within the Mandalore seems to be on a, high, as we were saying before, on a higher level than everyone else. But also he has this like grand sense of common sense, which I feel that's one of his most helpful tools. He knows what to do in certain situations where he can let his beliefs maybe just take a little side step as he pursues like the common good goal of trying to get somewhere and that's yeah. very much seen when Bo-Katan refuses to take the Darksaber because obviously it has to be this is the point of the Darksaber is you have to win it in a battle you have to disarm your enemy and he's just, the man is just like oh, yeah, guys honestly like no one cares we haven't got time we haven't got time for this you know there's like four or five of us in this room here just like I, guys i'm tired i've just got grown I, I, just I the kid saber. you know what i almost i felt like he would say well i'm just gonna leave it here so if you don't take it it's just gonna sit on the ship isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave it here we'll just say that you defeated me and we'll just go about it uh, it's yeah. uh just stop being annoying like, we've come all <laughs> this way. you've got what you needed don't be picky <laughs> and of course, uh, I mean, you know, coming up to the, the final scene of the episode. Um, oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so we have obviously, you know, like I was saying, with different story elements, you have the dark troopers go away, then the dark troopers come back. You have the confrontation between Bo-Katan and Manto. You have Moff Gideon's uh, cunningness, and then as soon as you see it. Here it is. The X-Wing flies by. (laughs) And as soon as that X... I mean, the first thing that goes to my head is, oh, those two guys are here again. (laughs) That's initially what comes through, those two X-Wing pilots here, for a few seconds. And then they're like, it's one X-Wing. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. How is, and of course, all these thoughts are going through my head. Okay, how are they doing this? Is Mark back? Have they, uh, is um, Sebastian Stan, who's been talked about so many times because he's very, Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier, for those who don't know, um, he has a very similar look to a young Mark Hamill. And um, if you've ever seen, I highly recommend if you're on Instagram, follow Boss Logic, who does a lot of these mock-ups of various different um, science fiction, pop culture kind of characters and stuff. And he does a Sebastian Stan in like the Luke Skywalker look, and it's uncanny on how the how much those two look alike um, at that particular time. But what we see sure. now is just um, so many, so many things. It's a masterstroke. Yeah. And also, one thing it made me think about is how Mark Hamill, I mean, the guy is just not only a living legend, but he is such a positive and brilliant speaker, not only about his experience in Star Wars and his character, Luke Skywalker, 
but he has always been this just like ray of light, hasn't he? And he's talking about what Star Wars has meant and how he's interacted with fans and everything across the whole entire... He's really made it his thing. He might have disappeared in the 90s, but he came back uh-huh. with just like the highest level of Mark Hamillness. <laughs> and Mark <laughs> Hamillness means that I'm just awesome and really great. <laughs> um but he does it in such a brilliant way. But he's talked about before how he's not always been the happiest with how Luke Skywalker's character was then finally portrayed um, in the sequel trilogy with certain story elements, um, I believe, that he felt weren't as true to the character as he saw the character. And I know, he, I yeah. think he said before how this kind of, that he'd left Luke Skywalker behind. Now he'd done his bit. But being able to... And we know how this is done. Um, Mark Hamill yeah, lends yeah. his voice yeah. to this episode. There's a uh, one of the stunt guys from the Mandalorian performs the fights, and you have a actor stand in for the actors when performing the scene. But to have this, if, if it might not be, but this, if this was the last contribution Mark Hamill makes as Luke Skywalker to Star Wars, what an unbelievable! ending to that legacy of the 40 odd years that he's done this yeah i mean this scene really just oh i mean it, it does so many things for the series i mean from the, i mean the, yeah from the entrance of him kind of flying in by himself i mean that's one of the things i love about the series as well is the kind of ship entrances that you get like with slave one uh, with boba fett when he first comes in a few episodes back and seeing the you know the singular X-wing coming in and and Luke being introduced and you know the whole setup of the scene from like the eerie music you know the epic kind of majesty of it and uh, the way that we don't see his face until he's you know in, in the command room and he just works his way through every single one of the remaining dark troopers I mean with just such finesse and style and just you know it reminds me of um, the scene reminds me. It, in in atmosphere of when we see Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One, um, kind of going to town on the uh, the Rebel troopers, and and here you know you have Luke in his sort of Jedi prime doing this a similar sort of thing that he's just working his way through these <laughs> these troops, and oh my god, it's just it, it's mo- monumental as a scene. I mean, it, it, as you said, it's a masterstroke. It, it's such a you know we discussed in previous episodes as well, like what you know, which Jedi would Grogu reach, first of all, you know, and there were only a few candidates left in the galaxy, you know, either it was going to be Ahsoka Tano or, um, you know, well, Luke or Leia even, you know. Mm. So to then have Luke come in, I mean, I just thought that was, like, I mean, it's, I mean, once he's kind of walking through the corridor and you see the, the, the one gloved hand and the green lightsaber, you know, I mean... The child inside me just exploded with joy because it's just such a oh, oh my god like what what a scene what what an epic epic kind of moment in not just you know the, I mean not just in the Mandalorian series but across the whole Star Wars canon that they, that they've brought you know the main hero kind of back in for this I mean I and the way that the Mandalorian has picked up so much kind of um, in terms of fan appreciation and enjoyment that. I'm so glad that they brought in this, uh, you know, one of the main characters into it because it, it kind of is almost a a sign of authority that this this that you know this episode, the, well, the the Mandalorian has become you know a proper part of the Star Wars universe, and 
Um, and I just thought it was, oh, God, it was just so well done. You know, I mean, uh, as we've said, like, the direction has been amazing. But this scene really, it takes a kind of different, a different pacing as well. This is what, you know, as we were saying earlier, like, the pacing throughout this episode, the way it just builds to these epic moments throughout it and how each moment is sort of, that has its own atmosphere and authority. And this one just, oh, it just takes it into a whole, uh, another level, you know. I mean, you know, we, we've, there's, Jedis have been hinted at throughout the whole season. And, of course, we saw Ahsoka Tano kind of, you know, kicking ass at, you know, a few episodes back. and But just to see a kind of classic character being brought back in this way, uh, it just, I mean, I, I thought it was just genius and yeah again the the way that they kind of make the, the the end of it and the way he he comes in and and the relationship and with grogu and the parting between grogu and dinjarin and and that emotional farewell and how he takes his helmet off and we see how as a character you know he's evolved to to be this new form of mandalorian where he, he he's following his own way now in a way um and yeah, I mean, from the kind of beginning of this Luke scene to to the end of it, where you know it's just—I mean, there's so many emotions happening. You know, at first, it's like this kind of, as I said, exploding joy and and epic action, and then this kind of settles into this epic majesty of almost like a greater power that we're observing, and 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 then the kind of emotional goodbye between the you know the main the main protagonists of the series. It's it's really just such a sweeping sweeping kind of ending um and it's this perfect cherry on top of a, a, a delicious cake of a series it really is you know i mean you know as we constantly saying throughout the series it's, it's masterful kind of writing and and direction and then you know and of course like when arty comes in behind luke <laughs> i mean you were saying as well like just just tears, you know, tears of joy and happiness. I I held it together for so, <laughs> so well in in the the whole Luke scene coming back. I was just in awe of what was happening, so I was just caught up in that, taking everything in, and then the emotional goodbye scene. Once again, you have, <laughs> like you very much saying, he's making his own rules, so it might not be this is the way anymore, but like this is my way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can my way on my highway. Sinatra <laughs> song, uh, if he likes. Um, <laughs> but once again, Pedro Pascal. We get to see the amazing Pedro Pascal, the Bart, the guy underneath the Mando mask, and it's not wasted once again. When we actually get to see his face, it's for such a poignant, such a brilliant scene. And oh my gosh. Yeah. I was, the emotions he portrays in saying goodbye to Grogo, I'm like holding this in. I can see, I can feel my eyes getting water <laughs> in the scene. And I'm like, almost like he is, He's his eyes are watering and he's holding it together. And then, when R2 comes in, I, mean, I just that that's it. I'm gone. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm then I'm then like softly sobbing. I would say yeah. maybe like softly control, like trying to control um, into a gentle sob <laughs> for yeah. the 
continuation of the rest of the episode um, until most of the credits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just that little recognition recognition right at the end when you have Luke R two Grogo in the lift, and there's that camera on Grogu's uh, face where he just does this like little look up, and um, Mando just kind of gives him this nod, like. You're okay, kid. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, there's so many. And, and also, like, you know, run so high. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, and you know, once the emotions settle, you know, you, you you start wondering, like, you know, what this means for you know the series going forwards. <clears throat> you know, are are, are they going to bring in other main characters? You know, from the you know, for just, the just before we go into that, just one thing I wanted to say about Luke. Mm. Luke's scene in when he comes back and he's fighting through all those dark troopers. Yeah. Very much, I don't know about yourself, but it it gave us, didn't it? It gave us that particular scene of Luke that we'd always been wanting to see. Yeah. Him at the height of his Jedi powers. Yeah. taking out Mos. I know we'd seen you know you see kind of brief glimpses of it and you see his confrontation with his father and all that particular stuff but and shout out to Ryan Johnson because I feel the shot of him, of Mark Hamill as Luke in The Last Jedi against um, what have I forgotten his name? Kylo Ren that scene gives you a glimpse of a cool look and it's just it's a brilliantly set scene once again like cinematography and set and the way it looks on the planet of crete and the red and all that it just all looks very very beautiful to look at um but this gives us that scene very much in the exact same way that rogue one gave us the darth vader scene You've always been what it's like Darth Vader at his highest, most like close to being like one of his most powerful moments on screen, isn't it? How he cuts through all of those rebel, um, rebel guys on that ship, making it all through before they manage to get the plans away. But that's what this scene, like father, like son, <laughs> this scene gave us, yeah. didn't it? It gave us that Luke scene once again. What a way for Mark Hamill to come back. I understand just portraying his voice, but it's him. It's it's his likeness. He is Luke Skywalker. So what a way for him to come back and for that to be the Luke Skywalker scene that really everyone has only dreamt about, I would say, but then finally getting to see it portrayed in live action and in such an important way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... This is what's kind of raised Mandalorian to be just more than a than a series, really. Um, it feels like a part, you know, as I said, like a part of the Star Wars canon, like a proper part of it. Uh, it's um, now that it's incorporating these the main characters from the um, from the canon that it, it it's Disney's kind of sign off saying that you know Mandalorian is at this point where you know he it's kind of respected enough and, and created well enough that you, and at, at a point within the story that it makes sense to kind of bring them in, you know, uh, you know, mm. throughout the episodes, we've been discussing this, that, you know, th- at this point, the Republic is, is, has been formed that, um, 
Leia technically should be leading it, um, or and her and Han should be together, probably having had Kylo Ren, I would imagine, at this point. Um, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would guess so. Um, or maybe not even just... Sometimes yeah. as to what Kylo's age is. Well, he, so he's probably, I mean, let's say... Look, I would have thought... I would have thought... He's betraying. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I would have thought he's betraying someone in his mid twenties when you first yeah. see him um, in and, the Force and, Awakens. That that kind of because yeah. I, I believe Ray's character is in her early twenties, late teens kind of age mm. when you first see her. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it makes sense that the characters would still be around. Kind of, you know, the main characters would still be around conducting missions and Luke becoming, you know. A, being a powerful Jedi who is sort of policing these things and and you know taking on the Empire at particularly powerful points that there's still kind of you know the remnants of the Empire and you know the powerful points of it and you know as we've said like you know we still have Thrawn to to see you know we were discussing whether Thrawn would be revealed in this episode and he hasn't been so clearly he's going to be you know a um, a main feature of of the next series uh, going forward I would imagine. Um, because of the setup of him, and uh, but yeah, just having Luke there, it it it, it feels like Mandalorian. As I said, it's now like it's taken its place in in the start, like alongside the the original films in terms of its meaning and and representation of the universe. I mean, it's I mean we've you know as fans we've both been loving it, you know, since episode one of the first season and. Just it's just gone from strength to strength, and so it, it feels right that you know it's taking this kind of this this new place in in the Star Wars canon, and and it's just done it's just been done so well. It, it's and uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, throughout this whole season, we've been saying like can't wait until what the you know what the next episode brings, but now I mean, I just can't wait until you know season three and and what that will bring. I mean, it, it's to carry on at this rate, it really will be. I mean, amongst not just Star Wars, kind of, you know, the Star Wars universe in terms of stature, but also just in terms of general series. I mean, really, it's it's so well written and so well produced and created and just, I mean, it, it, this season has really been near to, to faultless in, in a lot of ways. I mean, there's some kind of, you know, elements that you can question or something but really the, the way that it's made written acted the the beats the action the the pacing the the settings the the adventure the joy the misery the <laughs> i mean really like wow you know it really has been quite a, a journey for for us as viewers and fans and then i think coming into this now because obviously we know there's a mandalorian season three you almost like I, I feel for, in a sense, I feel for John Favreau and Filoni because not that they can't do this, but the writing and everything for the first two seasons telling this arc of this story of um, Dinjarin and Grogu. Now, effectively, you're telling a story. I mean, we don't know. This is all all up in the air. This is just guesses. But you presume you're telling a story that doesn't have Grogu in it. So yeah. you're telling that next cha- chapter of Dunjaran's story without Grogu. And it's like, that's the interesting thing. Yeah. Not that these guys can't pull it off. 
because the writing of this series so far has been so well done. But it's going to be a feat, isn't it? It's going to be an obstacle that I'm sure they've thought about, and I'm sure there's a whole entire plan. And for all we know, it Grogu could feature. But yeah, do we see his training? You know, with Luke. Do we see his training, or is his training with Luke? Yeah. Yeah, Or is Luke just the one that comes to collect him, and then passes him on to somebody else? We don't know this. Also, if we go back to Ahsoka's initial take on Grogu and how she feel there's a lot of fear in him and as we know there's a we sense a lot of fear in him fear leads to the dark side yada 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 that's how that usually goes so do we see it being that Grogu gets changed to a point and then he comes back into it I'm not too sure but obviously there's going to be so much uncertainty up in the air of what is the main kind of arc for season three and I think we're only getting to touch the surface on uh, Din Djarin's character we get more of Pedro Pascal which you know I'm not adverse to getting more of Pedro Pascal in no. terms of without the mask in season three especially if they're doing it in a way like they've been doing it in season two in the moments that we get him without the mask are really important moments and very well placed scenes for that to be the case and i think if they take that way of having him in season three when he doesn't have the mask in such important scenes then i think you're hitting nothing but home runs yeah and you know a point that um I want to bring up and kind of ask you about and well, discuss with you as well is that um, the nature of, of Jedi's being reintroduced into the Mandalorian and, and this is the thing is that we don't know really exactly how Grogu and, and Din Djarin's storylines will play out whether they'll play out together or completely apart and um, and the kind of how they'll feature in, in future episodes um, and this is kind of a point of interest for me is that you know now that we've got Luke kind of back in the fold and he's proven himself to be like the ultimate Jedi, you know, will he kind of feature more in this series to the point where he will then have to face another sort of Sith uh, type of of bad guy before the First Order? You know, I mean, we, we see Moff Gideon kind of say that he has uh, Grogu's blood and that's all he needed. And, and this is kind of one of the things, you know, is that was him harvesting the blood of Grogu and we saw the clones earlier on in the series, uh, I think in episode five. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, because I wasn't sure if the dark troopers were, th- this is the thing. I- I'm kind of a- curious as to this point, are the dark troopers, you know, they mentioned in this episode that they are kind of human, but they're kind of so unhuman that they're completely droid. So there's some human element to them. Were they, what Grogu's ha- blood was harvested for? Are they, Jedi clones or, you know, Sith clones or, or whatever, or, or is there a kind of, you know, another clone being worked on which could become, like, more of a Sith adversary for perhaps Luke or Grogu, you know? Um, because it feels like Moff Gideon, you know, he he, he, would, he says it kind of with some sense of accomplishment that he's already got Grogu's blood in there, you know, and you know, and, and the, the episode doesn't really, I mean, the season doesn't really reveal at this point, you know, that 
whether you know that blood is for yeah, the dark troopers or another you know bad guy in the future and and we see that you know we discussed the, how the empire has all these sort of tricks up their sleeves like with the dark troopers and the fact that they're still you know fairly powerful and and working on things like the clone project um and you know i'm curious to see where that will go as well and and, and tying that kind of element in and whether, whether thrawn is part of you know in on that whole kind of jedi cloning attempt really uh to bring you know the empire a, a stronger weapon really well this this um i was going to talk about this very much though in terms this is where i want to draw the attention to a particular character who disappears in the last moments of this scene and you know i've looked it up it's an actress called katie o'brien who plays the imperial officer who is the one that reports to moff gideon on multiple occasions Mm. i think over three four seasons she's the main imperial officer that the ship talks to when they're trying to infiltrate so saying they're under attack, she's the one that always is passing that message on to Moff Gideon, as we've seen in multiple episodes before. During this final episode, um, she disappears from the moment the attack happens, in the sense that you don't see her run away, but there's no sign of her on the brig, there's no sign of her um, on the command part of the ship. She seems to have gone somewhere. And kind of also another element is that Doctor we don't see again. That's a good point as well, actually. He, as far as we know, is still on that shuttle. Now, do we get season three in the sense of where it's one of those ones where it literally starts as season two ends? Which would be a very interesting way to take it in to for season three episode one to literally start the moment dinjarin puts his helmet back on and turns around and you have a confrontation with him and bogotan or not but you have this element like you said they he's moff gideon says he's got his blood you've got the uh, missing imperial officer and you've got that doctor that we don't see again which is who is on that um imperial shuttle do they just take off and fly off somewhere and does that imperial officer be the one that they test this blood out on? Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining a, uh, <laughs> a, a the, the the first scene of season three being them escaping on like an escape pod from <laughs> from Moff Gideon's ship, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and with, with with like you know with Grogu's blood, you know, important information that um, yeah uh, is you know really needed. You know, there, there could be some uh, similarity there. That's an yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I didn't realize that they actually yeah we don't. I mean, I kind of assumed that she got taken out on the brig, but... I she... took, well, when watching it again, I, I watched all of the characters enter and who they took out. Yeah. And it very much seemed that she was not one of the people that they took out. Yeah, and I, I, well, I feel that if she was getting taken out, then they would have made more of a thing of it because she has become like more of a feature as a kind of imperial character. Mm. So it, it would make sense that they, she would have like a kind of more proper on-screen death, as with the Doctor um so yeah yeah that's a that's a great point to that you know that you've brought up that you know um the remnants of the empire kind of are still connected together in a way and and how they'll play into it you know um i i i also think you know they're trying to 
there's so much more I know, because a lot of people are going to be uh, and understandably I reckon are going to be worried about the continuation of the story with less Grogu but I've got to I've got to say you you got to put your faith in these guys uh-huh. knowing what they have delivered over these past two seasons and I only feel that Favreau and Filoni are like you think that was good? We haven't even begun to tell you the amount of stories that we have up our sleeves. These are guys, especially Filoni, who have lived Star Wars for the past 20-odd years. And when I say especially Filoni, as in he's been in Star Wars and creating some of the best Star Wars content that has been going on for nearly 20 years. So... I said, let's sit back. If you're worried about it, don't be. Because just look what they've given us so far in the first two seasons of The Mando. And I can't imagine season three is going to be anything less exciting, enjoyable, full of shocks. Because, yes, I mean, we get Luke. We get Ahsoka. We get mention of Thrawn. We get Boba. We get a lot in season two, and they're like, guys, believe us, there's so much more to come. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we see a glimpse of, of the Republic and, you know, maybe even the reintroduction of like Leia and Han in, in kind of a thematic but um, ruling sense, you know. Um, there's so many possibilities, and, you know, um, whatever they do, I'm sure it will be so well written <laughs> that, you, you know, it will completely justify that decision so yeah season three is god and i mean season three guys we're very much looking forward to it and um but i mean so let's talk we have a post-credit scene we have a (laughs) marvel-esque post-credit scene uh a friend of mine who's been on this podcast matt allen said that because i was like favreau give him the keys to everything star wars and he very much was like he is pretty much becoming the kevin feige of star wars and when you think about how long kevin feige's been telling the marvel story i don't think we have to worry about john favreau telling the star wars story running out of ideas but what we get Uh as my blubbering self was still watching the credits suddenly jabba's (laughs) palace appears and i'm like (laughs) Come on, guys! I don't think I can take much more of this. <laughs> and what we see is we go into Jabba's palace. Another flashback to the original series. In comes Boba Fett once again into Jabba's palace, looking all moody and bounter, bounty hunter esque, with the amazing Ming Na Wen by his side taking over just annihilating i love that they haven't missed a beat in jabba's palace they're like well jabba's not here so we'll just continue the exact same yeah jabba's (laughs) right hand man with with the worm yeah yeah you just take the seat now and we'll have a slave uh as well yeah we're just continue we're continuing the exact same thing boba comes in does his thing absolutely annihilates everybody and sits on the throne, on Jabba's palace's throne. Um, and we get the announcement of yeah. the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. A, another spin-off series. The second? No. 
third, maybe the third spin-off series, if I remember, the host of spin-off series we get. I know I'm I'm putting Ahsoka in as a spin-off series for the Mando. As I understand it, it could also be seen as a spin-off series to the Clone Wars and Rebels, but it's the Ahsoka, it's the live-action Ahsoka that we saw in Mando, so that's why I'm attributing it to that. And then I believe the Rangers series is a spin-off series to the Mandalorian, and then we're obviously getting now the Book of Boba Fett which is something, probably a particular thing that's been talked about so for so long in the Star Wars world is a Boba Fett film, and I think that's exactly what it was supposed to be years ago before they changed their minds and went a different way. But now Boba's getting his whole entire series, so that's just a whole nother host of things to be excited about because we've loved Boba coming in, to this series his character has been nothing short of awesome and now he's getting and i hope i don't know why but i hope it's just a limited series yeah i know what you mean i'm 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 kind of curious to see because you know as i've kind of mentioned on previous episodes i'm a huge fan of boba fett from you know the original films and and then, of course, like the way that you know Jango Fett was portrayed in uh, the prequels. I mean, having him back as like a kind of not only a, a main character but his own series, really, it's like. I mean, uh, what I'm kind of curious about as well is you know like that, um, you know, this book of Boba Fett is you know slated to come out in December next year, mm-hmm. um, which is also when the same time you know as when uh, season three of Mandalorian would come out. So that's quite an interesting sort of crossover. Um, or like kind of kind of close airing dates, so I'm um I feel that the book of Boba will probably take quite a different sort of um kind of well, direction than than the Mandalorian. You know, I mean, because I, I feel that 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 will it will have to, I suppose. You know, and this is what I'm kind of interested about is that maybe the book of Boba Fett will just be a sort of um, yeah limited series of uh, you know, like some epic hunts of his and, you know, um, in his kind of new setting. And then we have, you know, the Mandalorian carrying on as a uh, sort of adventure series, which is more exploring the, the wider galaxy, you know, whereas maybe Boba Fett takes like more, you know, deadly kind of action, badass action of, of you know, him and Fennec Shan kind of working together to, you know. But we also, we also, we also don't, I mean, this could easily still happen. Firstly, release dates, as we all know, can change multiple times to fit whatever schedule they have going on, especially with Disney+. Plus. We've seen this with WandaVision has had like two, three different release dates, and this can easily happen. But like that saying about limited series, we don't know what the Book of Boba Fett is in terms of the Book of Boba Fett could lead into Season 3 of The Mandalorian. It could be two episodes to like one hour long episodes it could be a feature film yeah. that leads into it could be just one one and a half hour book of boba fett that is the title of the boba fett film that we got and it's not a limited series it's just a feature mm. that leads into season three or that is a side story which comes in halfway through 
we don't know or you know they could change they could change dates guys they could move it around couldn't they they could easily put the book of boba coming out in november or they could move the mandalorian to so it comes out beginning of november and then finishes and the book of boba comes immediately the week after or vice versa or move one to january <laughs> so i i say until we're actually a lot closer to the time never believe a release schedule until it's uh to like a couple of weeks out and then i think that's you know otherwise there is so much speculation but it's definitely yeah. another exciting turn for the star wars stories that we have ahead of us um and also me and artif would like to obviously we can't finish this episode without unfortunately the passing of another star wars legend and it's yeah. having a couple in the space of a month is just really a sad way to end 2020 but this time i mean it just seems you get the book of boba and unfortunately we lose the original boba uh in jeremy bullock who passed recently only a few days ago and uh jeremy was kind of a guy who was a fan of the fans you know he had such a wide variety of a career over many many years and but he was very a guy who embraced the star wars fandom probably more so than nearly anybody else the honorary member of the 501st but he was a really he was a man who was such a constant giver in the circuits for the comic cons and over the years and just talking about his role and his love for the role and he, he was a distinguished actor as well he had a hell of a career you know and yeah. so it's another guy who's going to be absolutely sorely missed because once again as we talked about david prouse's physical performance absolutely jeremy bullock is somebody else who provided one of those first iconic physical performances in his portrayal of boba in the original trilogy yeah exactly what i was thinking of you know just as, as you were kind of you know um talking about him that yeah that you know his his presence on the screen um you know i mean everyone knows how short a time boba fett appears in the original trilogy but how much of an impact he made on the imagination of star wars fans that you know he's so intriguing and cunning and smart and and just the way he holds himself and stands out in in a scene um and that he was similar to david prowse in that way that you know as an actor he was able to you know hold himself and fill the screen in a way which was authoritative and menacing and intriguing and and you know he he i mean you know he just immediately from the from the get-go that he he created such an impression for star wars fans that yeah it's um it's almost kind of fitting that you know it, it would sadly fitting in a way that you know david prowse and jeremy bullock have kind of passed so close to each other because of the role that they both kind of played within star wars that it's 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 yeah it's 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 a weird kind of similarity um and you know and it almost is kind of fitting as well that you know we, that the book of boba has been announced that it almost is like a tribute to his his legacy and yeah you know like carrying on that that you know what he begun um so and you know as we've been saying you know that in the hands of favreau and and, and you know feloni that it, it's it's going to be a i mean 
who knows what they're going to do with it in terms of yeah whether it's going to be a, a series or a feature film and uh, but I th- I'm sure it will be a worthy tri- tribute to to him. So it's yeah very sad again, but um, you know what a legacy he's created uh, for us fans. Very much so, and um, yeah, rest in peace, Jeremy, and thank you for all of the years um, that you have given us, and what an amazing career you had. And I, I just seeing here just an old black and white photograph of him and David Prowse um, on set together, we're both with their helmets off. So it's just that's just a, a lovely image, anyway. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for tuning in and thanks for tuning in for our discussions and deep dives over the Mandalorian over the past eight weeks. And we will see you next week anyway with a holiday special. So until then. Hi guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Jedi Elder Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you.